Welcome to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. Welcome back and thanks for listening and making a commitment to learning. We hope you guys are having a fantastic week. I am one of your co-hosts, Jordan Porter, and this is Yvonne Brandenburg. Hey. Hi. So uh, I believe this episode, so Addison's, it, it, what, what day is today? This is New Year's Eve. Oh, Happy New, New Year's, Year's Eve. Eve. Woo, woo, woo. New Year's Eve. Go out, celebrate. Hopefully you're not all working. yeah yeah but we planned this episode because it is the most one of the most stressful times of the year and so that's why we're talking addison's today yes and of course if you would like to take a look at our show notes for where we kind of get all of our resources and all of our information for these episodes you can visit imfpp.org slash show notes and you can find all of our notes there yeah we have all the resources including um I think Jordan used a lot from the Merck manual. If you guys, yes, hopefully you guys know about the Merck manual. Um, so the, the Merck Addison's disease, there's a good page there. And so we have the link for that. Plus we of course have the small animal internal medicine for vet techs and nurses book. Cause we'll refer to that a ton. And then um, on the internal medicine for pet parents website, there's a blog. There's actually a, a good uh, blog post about Addison's that we did last year. Because, yeah. you know, this is the time of the year that we do that. There will probably never be an episode where we don't use the small animal internal medicine book. By the way. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. It is, it is the internal medicine technician nurse Bible. That'll so. forever be in our show notes page. <laughs> yes, exactly. So just a little bit of housekeeping then to do this week. We've got a, several shout outs this week, which is fantastic. We appreciate everybody, everybody, everybody. <laughs> So this week, we would like to shout out another Facebook page, which is fantastic. Uh, Veterinary Internal Medicine Nursing is a Facebook page run by Lara. She is a woman that I tested with for my VTS. So we obtained her VTS at the same time. She's fabulous. I didn't realize she was in one. Yeah, she's my study group. Oh, this is all starting to come together. Yeah. Yeah, she's been super awesome. She, if you guys haven't checked out her or her Facebook, I think mm-hmm. it's page, right? Facebook page. Uh, it's really cool. She's uh, in the UK. The UK. Can't remember exactly where. I think she's told me, but I can't remember exactly where. But it's really cool. She's been making these really great infographics about different diseases as well as uh, some of the different techniques that we do in internal mm-hmm. medicine, but. Uh, very cool because she shared (laughs) yeah she's got a lot of good like nursing tips in there um, for technicians to utilize and stuff so and then a couple of other people who kind of shouted us out molly feander i'm sorry if i didn't say that right um but shared our podcast and said it was really interesting have a listen so please take her advice she knows a lot <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Molly. We appreciate it. Uh, and then Lou, the vet nurse, also shared the podcast and reminded us to be hashtag always learning. And, and that 
that totally (laughs) (laughs) that struck a chord for me I was like yes we are always learning even before each of the podcast episodes we're we're always you know snagging some new bit of information to share with you guys and Yes. And then of course, Laura Rosewell, the creator of the veterinary internal medicine nursing page also just shared kind of separately on her own page said that we are fab and our podcast is awesome. So again, Laura, thank you. (laughs) And then uh, the last person for this week is Leanne Fuller. She recommended the podcast to a friend and said that it's a good podcast and we will totally take that, which is Thank you very, very much uh, for, for sharing the podcast. We, you know, getting the name out, word of mouth is probably the best way. I don't know about you guys, but I always ask my friends for recommendations and those are, those are the best. And we know that we're missing some people, but we do appreciate it. We will try to shout out as many people as we can. Like the dogs that are causing a ruckus (laughs) in the background. So if you hear them again, we'll do our warning. Small children, dogs and cats may make appearances in the podcast. You are. I only have so much control over the creatures in my life. All right. Well, I think that (laughs) I think that kicks off our Addisonian episode. So please continue to listen because you will learn some hopefully good information about Addison's disease. And here we go. Okay, so this week we are discussing Addison's disease or the proper term hypoadrenocorticism. So the definition of that disease is a hormonal disorder that is caused by a deficient production of the adrenal gland hormones, cortisol and aldosterone. So in the Cushing's episode, we talked about excess hormones. This episode is too little hormone. So we need to add hormones. So <laughs> we're missing some. Only a few. That's how I remembered it. <laughs> Right? Yeah, 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 that makes sense. Adding. Okay. I got it. Took me a second. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, excuse me? <laughs> and this tends to be, so the most common abnormality in dogs is bilateral idiopathic adrenocortical atrophy. So that's where on ultrasound, I know we see just those, well, I guess we don't see because sometimes <laughs> we can't find the adrenal glands Yeah. or they just measure extremely small. And that's that happens in which all the layers of the cortex are markedly reduced in thickness. So everything's just kind of shrunken down. And that happens, like I said, we see that, we'll get into when we see this pretty frequently, but on ultrasound, you'll see either you can't find the adrenal glands or they're just extremely small. Yeah. As I say, I, one of my doctors, uh, she, she's, I think, I feel, I feel like she's like the adrenal gland whisperer. Right. Um, if, other, if other doctors can't find them, she can usually find them. So I always joke, I'm like, if you can't find them, this pet is definitely an Addisonian. But yeah, you can, you, you see it. And it's like this little sliver of an adrenal yeah. gland. It's just like, oh, I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> can I have some more? Can I have some more? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I need, poor adrenal I need glands. More, just... I need more tissue. I need more <laughs> endocrine tissue. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you can tell kind of how the day is going. <laughs> yes. I, and yes, I just got home from work. Yeah. It was a rough day, guys. It was a rough day. But <laughs> we are here for you. And we're talking about adrenal glands. <laughs> oh, goodness. What a topic. So the primary cause of the adrenal cortical failure is usually unknown, but although... Uh, most cases probably result from an autoimmune process, which I found pretty interesting to learn that that was more of like an immune disease 
which I suppose so makes sense because I know just from immune issues in my own past, stress tends to trigger it. So <laughs> yeah, I guess it makes it, sense. I, I It's funny because as we're researching some of these diseases and I'm like, oh, that's autoimmune. Oh, oh, that's autoimmune. Like it kind of, it's crazy to me how many yeah. things we're talking about that's autoimmune related. I'm like, how is that possible that they're all autoimmune? Or maybe that's just the go-to like choice of words when they people can't figure out like what what's <laughs> like, causing it must be autoimmune no I guess there's <laughs> gotta be a way that they know that <laughs> oh goodness um, I think you know it's funny because uh you didn't kind of talk about it but the other part of I guess we don't always think of it this way but like an Addisonian crisis kind of thing is if you and, and this is like more of like an iatrogenic Mm -hmm. at a certain crisis if you have a patient that's on high dose steroids right and you just cold turkey them they can actually exhibit all the signs of being in an Addisonian crisis so um, it's just something to think about this is why we taper mm -hmm. instead of just like cold turkey you're off of it now and it's a good way to explain that to clients too that like yeah no, no really you can have all these other issues <laughs> yeah please, please don't, don't cold turkey please follow the directions of your veterinarian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So a deficiency in the adrenal cortical hormones is typically seen most, mostly in young to middle-aged dogs and weirdly enough, mostly females. It's not a cat thing. It's mostly dogs. And I don't know about you, but standard poodles are like the go-to breed. Yeah. I'm trying to think of yeah, we've had such a mixed bag of them, but yeah, I think yeah. All, almost all of them have been girls. I feel yeah. like I've seen a lot of like border collie mixy things, which is funny because that's not on there. So I don't know yeah. if maybe I just have like a oh yeah strange strain of Addison's. Yeah, see, I, I, I all related like, somehow. <laughs> I feel like every dog on this list is I've someone I've seen. So standard poodles, Great Danes, Westies oh, because suck. they're on the Percorton bottle. So yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bearded collies and then Portuguese water dogs are all tend to be the breeds most commonly seen, which is crazy too, because I always feel bad when someone comes in with a Great Dane in an Addisonian crisis. I'm like, oh, this is going to be so expensive for you. I mean, it's, it, a Great Dane with any of our diseases is going to be expensive. This, this is, is why true. I can't have a Great Dane. I know. They're so beautiful. Yes. But but One like, day. you know, it has a, a toe infection and it's like $5,000 because of the medications. <laughs> they're like horses it's like one little thing and then it's either euthanized or like it's just gonna cost you tons of money yeah so uh, <laughs> small dogs are cheaper guys way cheaper and fewer dogs fewer than five is cheaper fewer than five yeah <laughs> so the clinical signs typically seen with addison's disease are actually often pretty vague and i think this is what mm -hmm. people don't realize is that they can wax and wane and over time and then they can present for a few days, weeks, or months before even obtaining a diagnosis. So it's those recurrent episodes of gastritis, slowly progressive mm -hmm. loss of body condition. So you're just seeing those young dogs that are coming in that are just what we would you're probably call like a poor doer <laughs> like just yeah just unthrifty and yeah a failure to thrive. Yeah exactly and yeah. then inappropriate response to stress. So they do break out with like severe HGE or they're just completely down and out after a stressful event that is not normal. 
as yeah, much as and, it feels I, normal in humans sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and I think people, one thing that we need to keep in mind when we're getting like histories on these patients is when we say a stressful event, I mean, there's such a wide variety for dogs and what they consider a stressful event. So it could be having like people over that Mm -hmm. normally don't come over or, you know, they go on a car ride or it's just anything where if you think about it, like you get a little adrenaline rush normally, like any of those kinds of situations, what happens is they just deplete everything they have. And then all of a sudden they're just like, their body can't keep up and it's, you know, they're going to feel like crud. Um, so sometimes we just need to remember to get like, you know, a good history on, is there anything in the last couple of days, last week or two, mm-hmm. any changes in the household, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and sometimes that can give us clues too. Yeah. And that occurs because like we talked about in the Cushing's episode, like the adrenal glands are meant to be kind of like a stress hormone release. So they're supposed to release cortisol in stressful events, but in Addisonian dogs, they can't do that. They're so atrophied. Mm -hmm. They just can't do that. They can't keep up Uh, with the demand. Yeah. No. So you, you typically will see hypotension as well. Um, weakness and collapse. I've definitely heard a lot of my clients complain about that where like the dog seems okay, but then for some reason just collapses out in the yard. Vomiting Mm -hmm. diarrhea kind of goes along with the gastritis part. And then anorexia and dehydration. They're just ADR, the term, the yeah. abbreviation that we're not supposed to really use anymore. <laughs> I know. And it's, it's, it's hard because these, these symptoms that we see, I mean, God, there's so many things it could be, right? And so it's yeah. hard because typically like we see them after they've, they've had this chronic issue and nobody can kind of figure out what's going on. And then all of a sudden we're, you know, we test, we test cortisol level and we're like, yeah. yeah there it is. So see, and we see them like after they've collapsed in the yard and like it's a one-year-old dog that doesn't have a heart problem. So right? you're like, oh, <laughs> it's not that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of part of our standard workup for like chronic GI disease, mm-hmm. I think, is when they come in and we run our typical like GI lab work and then we'll run a cortisol as well just to rule it out. Yeah. Same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like Yvonne was saying, the differential diagnosis for this is pretty extensive. I mean, you're going to have pretty much any primary GI disease, <laughs> especially yeah. whipworm infection, which that kind of confused yeah. me. <laughs> I feel like I, oh, I wish I could remember. I feel like it mimics Addison somehow, yeah. which is really weird. Yeah. It, I, yeah. That's I, what I, I read. I never understood so. that. And I'm like, how... <laughs> How is that possible? And I don't see a ton of whipworm infections. So I'm just like, okay, I don't remember for it. Right. <laughs> well, that, and I feel like any intestinal parasite can really cause like, I mean, yeah, but yes, whipworm infections apparently tend to mimic it a little bit more strongly. And we'll see if we can come up with a good reason for you guys and maybe put a link to it in the show notes. Um, yeah. I'll definitely look Or we can discuss, discuss it on the Facebook page, um, yes. the Facebook group. Uh, if you haven't joined the group, by the way, go in there because we're starting to have conversations, which is really cool. But yeah, I, I have heard the whipworm infection be thing and I, and I can't remember off the top of my head what it is. But the other thing too, is like, especially what Jordan was saying is these young dogs that are coming in with these symptoms. First thing I think of is like, a foreign body right something <laughs> stupid so you know we're definitely ruling those out quite a bit yeah which is where the ultrasound comes in and then you're like hey i don't see an adrenal gland 
Yeah. Hmm. This right one is non-existent. Yeah. And then other differentials can be renal failure, acute pancreatitis, tox- toxin mm-hmm. ingestion, which to me kind of all fa- fall under like GI disease, just because they yeah. all can cause GI disease. Um, but the right. toxin injection can cause obviously like collapse or unusual episodes. So your lab work's going to be pretty helpful though too. So when you obtain your lab work on your patient's when you get them in, you, you want to get a thorough history. What was occurring before and after the episode? How long have, have has their GI issues been occurring? What's worked? What hasn't worked? Maybe nothing's worked because they need some steroids in their life. <laughs> or maybe they had gotten a steroid injection and then their dog was great. <laughs> that does tend to be a thing. So definitely thorough history, kind of what we talk about pretty much every episode is just those really, really thorough histories. (laughs) (laughs) We're like, and you get a thorough history. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's why I didn't really put it in these notes because I was like, okay. (laughs) We'll beat them into like, we'll beat it into everyone. Thorough history. Just do it. Yes. Thorough history of medications, (laughs) past issues, everything. Yeah. And actually, sorry, I'm going to throw this out there. So you said medications, right? Mm -hmm. It's really important to know if these dogs have had steroids, especially recently, because it takes a while to wash out of their system. So if we're going to test for Addison's or even Cushing's, we need to make sure they haven't been on steroids. Otherwise, it will affect your cortisol levels, your ACTH. So just make sure you kind of think about that. So getting back into the lab work, what we typically see on our chemistry electrolyte CBC panels that we always are going to recommend or (laughs) say that you guys are likely going to run on our electrolyte panel, the classic Addisonian is hyponatremic and hyperkalemic. So low sodium, high potassium, and they typically have a sodium potassium ratio of less than 25 to one. You're also going to maybe notice some azotemia, mild acidosis, and a normal cytic, normal chromic anemia. You know what book I got that from? That was a good one. Did you get that from the internal medicine? Definitely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> small, a small animal internal medicine for technicians and nurses. Yes. By, uh, edited by the amazing Linda Merrill. Mm-hmm. That one? Yeah. Yes. Yes. So yes, you I can see it. the Bible, the Bible of I am. <laughs> yeah. It, I was going to say, um, with, when you're talking about electrolytes, uh, that is such a red flag in my clinic. Like definitely. that low sodium and the high potassium, we're definitely, we're, we're, we're pulling a cortisol on these guys oh, and definitely. at least saving it and then treating Right. So a lot of times we'll give them a dose of steroids to see how they are. Yes. Cause it's also super important too, that you're going to get your, what we call our pre-treatment blood. So if yeah. you're drawing blood on these patients and before you give any steroids, I always like, if we're suspecting something like this, just because we work in internal medicine and it's right. pretty much um, most of the time, we'll go ahead and draw a serum separator tube, run all the previous lab work, hold the serum separator tube, and then based on like the chemistry and electrolytes, give steroids and then send out the cortisol later. Yeah. It's funny because my emergency department, they just know to hold blood. Yeah. Ours too now. They're like, oh, it's pre-treatment. You hold the blood and the urine. Oh my God. Because otherwise we we get really mad at them. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) We're like, well, now you screwed things up because you added drugs to the system and they get, and yeah. Yeah. Our 
our year is pretty good. They'll save us like a purple top if there's any sort of like weird anemia <laughs> issue and we need to like run a tick panel that's pre-treatment blood. They'll save us pre-treatment urine. <laughs> like this. Yeah, urine, serum, plasma, and, you know, the lavender top too. Yeah. Yeah. They'd save they it all. They try to save it all for us. And they put it in a bucket with our name on it. <laughs> yeah. Which really like because i'll joke about saving blood but then my doctor's always like but if they're anemic don't and i'm like most of our patients are anemic <laughs> like right <laughs> you're like yeah but i don't want to poke them again thank you yeah, very much exactly yeah. um so that azotemia you will i think i feel like that kind of gets tossed to the side once um the hyperkalemia and hyponatremia is noted not so much just because we're, we kind of lead into that you're going to start fluids in these situations so but yeah, you're going to see a, a mild anemia as well. And then with atypical Addison's disease, you know, because they are called the great pretender. Mm-hmm. Typically, those dogs are associated with a low cortisol level, but their electrolytes will be normal. So you can't always yeah. rely on those oh, electrolytes. Man. But pretreatment blood is always great because you can just send out yeah. a cortisol anyway. <laughs> yeah. And those ones, I think... Those ones are the hardest ones to diagnose is mm-hmm. when, you know, your, your kind of classic electrolyte abnormalities just aren't there. Yeah. And sometimes my doctor just looks at them and they're like, uh, you know, the spidey senses start tingling yeah, and they're like, they're like, we're just going to rule out Addison's. And then it comes back and you're like, well, it's Addison's, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's interesting, but those can be super frustrating for like general practice doctors because, Definitely. you know, they're like, but the electrolytes are normal. And you're like, yep, but the cortisol's not. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, we'll have some of those, I guess, possible atypical cases that come in though, but they're like this, I don't know. We have like certain breeds that we just will automatically pull a cortisol for. <laughs> so it's like this black standard poodles or like I said before, any Westie, any Westie right? that comes in like just Westies having diarrhea. You're like, Ooh, cortisol. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They are on the DOCP bottle for a reason. <laughs> yeah. It's so sad. Yeah. So of course we keep talking about pour- pulling a cortisol level, but the you want to get the baseline, but you really want to run an ACTH simulation test like we talked about in the Cushing's episode. So affected dogs with Addison's disease will have a low baseline cortisol level. And then the post sample, there <laughs> tends to be little response to the, the administration of your corticotropin medication that you're giving IV in classic and atypical cases. So this really is like the diagnostic. And typically those numbers are less than two. So less yeah. than point two. Uh, yeah, it, it and it's one of those things where it totally makes sense when you think about it. Like if there's if the adrenal gland can't produce, you know, the cortisol or release the cortisol. Mm-hmm. If you tell if you give the the stimulating hormone right, and you're like make stuff, and it goes, I can't, <laughs> right? Yeah, and it's just yeah. like sorry nothing here i mean that's that's super classic for addison so yeah um, that kind of goes back to our like feedback loop so the acth is being produced by our pituitary hormone we're administering Mm -hmm. acth essentially during the acth stimulation test to Mm -hmm. see if those uh adrenal glands will produce cortisol to turn off the acth and they they don't they just yeah are lacking 
Yeah, that's like trying to do a light switch and your light doesn't turn on. It's like, I'm hitting the switch. Nothing's happening. (laughs) Feedback loop, guys. (laughs) Yes. And then we talked about ultrasound. Just kind of keep this one brief this time, but the adrenal glands are small. They're going to be small with Addisonians. Yeah. And and I feel like they're they're bilaterally small most of the time. Every once in a while, you'll get one that's a little bit closer to a normal side, but on honestly, most of the times, they're both sides are going to be small. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So treatment for these guys, kind of depending on when you're getting your diagnosis. Mm-hmm. In our practice, we're seeing Addisonian crisis, so they have collapsed. They've become obtunded. They're, they're shocky. Se- yeah, they're shocky. They're severely hyperkalemic. Those pets need restoration of blood volume. So they're going to need a fluid bolus of saline because they're hyponatremic. So we use full strength 0.9% saline mm-hmm. IV. And then you're, that's, that's going to be the main goal for your Addisonian crisis patients is to really just correct the electrolyte acid-based balances mm-hmm. and restore blood volume with fluid therapy. And then of course, get your samples and then you're going to administer dexamethasone. And then, yeah, and it's it's crazy how quickly they'll perk up after oh, a dexamethasone injection. It's amazing. You could usually like give it and within a couple hours be like, pretty sure I know what's going on with you. Because all of a sudden they're just like perky. Like barking. Yeah, they're barking because they're little white things. But, you know, their blood pressure comes up. They just, their attitude changes and, and they feel so much better after that steroid injection that you're like, pretty sure I know what this is. So that's, that's sometimes before we get our, (laughs) before we get our lab work back, we're like, yeah, we're like 99.9% certain we know what's going on. Yeah. 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 That's why those are such good endocrine cases is because like, when like you can, there's such an easy fix. (laughs) Yeah. Such an easy fix. So the other part of the equation when we're treating these kids is we're also going to do a DOCP injection. So we practice this, by the way, DOCP (laughs) injection is desoxycorticosterone pivolate. I actually said that. Well, I think it's right. Um, But this is why we call it DOCP. So we give DOCP either IM or sub-Q. I typically like to do sub-Q injections of it because a lot of times we're sending this home with clients and having them do it um, at home once we kind of have figured out their schedule. And typically these patients need the DOCP every 25 to 28 days. And there is a range because it varies for each patient. So a lot of times what we're doing is we're going to see these patients back starting around the 25 to 28 days and see what their electrolytes are doing. Because if you test the electrolytes and they're normal, then it may be a little bit too soon for the DOCP. But if you test their electrolytes and they're out of whack, we may need to give it a little bit sooner. So usually, you know, we do this like maybe two, three months where we have them come once a month and just get the electrolytes checked. Mm -hmm. And then once we've kind of figured out what's a good day number for them. We're like, okay, cool. You can give it now at home. And, you know, we just have our kind of follow-ups, but yeah, it's it's somewhere typically in the 25 to 28 day range. It just kind of depends on the individual animal. 
Yeah. And this injection, so the DOCP injection is actually, what it does is it's, it's replacing the function of the adrenal gland. So the adrenals produce aldosterone and cortisol, which are key hormones for a dog's bodily functions. So with Addison's, they have an in, inadequate production of mineral, mineral corticoids and or glucocorticoids. So DOCP is a supplement for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and these pets are getting DOCP as well as your, your prednisone therapy, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't, I think it's usually a tiny amount of pred. Yeah. Um, it's very, very minute amount, but I feel it's like most of our pets are somewhere like a half a milligram to one milligram yeah. a day kind of thing. Like it's, yeah. it's a small amount. I think the only dog I've ever sent like Addisonian I've sent home on like 20 milligrams of pred was a Ooh. ginormous Great Dane. <laughs> like, oh my God. Yeah. Which I mean, honestly for a Great Dane, that's kind of spitting at them. Yeah. yeah. And it was more of like, you can give 20 milligrams during a stressful event, which we'll get to, but uh, like, yeah. I think the dog's like dose after being home for a week was like maybe 10 milligrams, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And we, obviously wean it to the least effective dose Mm -hmm. and and something to remember because you know how we usually typically say we don't want them to be on steroids for the rest of their life this is a different thought process because Mm -hmm. their body's not making steroids so it's not like we're giving them excessive steroids this is just enough steroids to meet their body functions Mm -hmm. so that's something when you're talking to a client you know they because most of the times they've had the experience where steroids, long-term steroids is bad, Yeah. right? So we just kind of have to flip it and say, yes, but your dog's not producing steroids themselves, so we have to give it to them. So it's a it's weird sometimes mind shift for clients. But- and I think it's weird too, because like when we you kind of get into that client communication and you're trying to tell them what to expect at home, people don't realize that it's going to be lifelong where it's going to be monthly DOCP injections and lifelong pred use. And then two, Mm -hmm. which is weird for any person who's like kind of newer to the medical field where, you know, you shouldn't be on steroids or you shouldn't be on like adjusting doses of steroids unless you're (laughs) adjusting down. But -hmm. in these patients in stressful situations, you're going to want to increase those steroid doses. Mm -hmm. So if you know that your pet is being boarded and you have an Addisonian, you should probably increase their pred dose or if they're taking a flight or if they really hate going to the groomer. Like I was going to say, the Westie that has to go to the groomer. Yeah. <laughs> or the other thing too is coming to the vet. Yeah. Right? Like some of these guys hate coming to the vet and so they get stressed out. And it's, and it's important to remember that the stressful event doesn't necessarily have to be a bad event, right? Mm-hmm. It could be my dog friend who I love came over to my house and we played rough all day outside. Yeah. Well, that's a stressful event on the body. So it's not a bad thing necessarily. It just, it, it's, it's stress in so far as it's not a normal chill day. (laughs) There's, there's been something else that the body and typically our bodies would respond to. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> a squirrel could be a stressful event or for some dogs definitely yeah yeah exactly so it's kind of an, an interesting thing for clients you know they they almost have to rethink what's going on with their dogs and they may not realize that there's a stressful event but all of a sudden 
their dog is a little bit punky, right? And they're like, mm-hmm. what's going on? Maybe they just need to give an extra dose for something that we don't even realize happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, they should keep that in mind as well. Yeah. And they should have a pretty good, clear guideline when they're discharged from you mm-hmm. as to like how they adjust that dose. Do they give another whole tablet? Do they give a half tablet? Definitely have the doctor try to lay it out. So when you explain it to your clients, they know exactly how much to give when their dog's not acting quite right or when they do suspect mm-hmm. a stressful event coming up. Mm-hmm. So people don't just keep giving it. <laughs> right. Like, no, I'm just going to give it all the time. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, depending on the client, they may want to keep a calendar or a journal, something along those lines, just to, you know, see if they can mark events or, you know, especially mark a calendar if you notice that a pet is off every once in a while you just you can mark it on the calendar and be like oh yeah we noticed this or you just kind of keep track of it and hopefully prevent issues in the future yeah i mean because you never know i mean man if finn was addisonian (laughs) i would literally probably have to increase his dose of pred every like full moon like he always acts funky like three (laughs) days around a full moon like he's not normal like he's He's like, I feel the magnetic pull of the moon. (laughs) (laughs) He does. He changes. He's like, let me go lay in my cage and I'm going to act weird towards the other dogs. And he's, he's very weird. So if he were Addisonian, we'd be like upping that pred dose pretty much every (laughs) full moon. You're like, great. Here we go. Stay normal. Yeah. If only, if only you could make people stay normal with just an increased dose of something. Yeah. (laughs) And yeah. And so for the the DOCP because I know DOCP in my clinic is pretty expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, we will usually script it out for clients. Chewy.com, you know, one eight hundred pet meds. The online pharmacies; those are great places to get it. And yeah, demonstrate we, to your clients. We we do a lot of like DOCP yeah. demonstrations in sub Q or IM. I think Zycordal actually. Now that I'm thinking about it, is only sub Q because it was meant to be like easier for clients. I will definitely get that information, but, but we, we teach our clients how to do sub Q injections versus I am any day. Yeah. We used to do, I am all the time. And then I think there was a study at some point that said that it absorbed just as well. Sub Q Mm -hmm. as I am and, and sub Q for owners is just so much easier than doing an I am injection at home. And it's so much Um, easier for the dog. Yeah. Have you ever had an I am injection? It's awful. Yeah. It hurts. Yeah. So I get it with like flu stuff, like your flu vaccine. They always go right in the muscle. Oh, that's true. I was thinking like I've had, I don't know, some steroid shot in the butt once after like a cat bite. I was going to say after like an anaphylactic reaction or something. Oh, yeah, 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 I think so. Yeah. It was awful. It was like six mils too. And then I was like, I will never do this to a dog again. (laughs) Like it was like... Nothing like having something done to yourself to really make you know <laughs> right. what your clients and patients are going through. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So along with kind of teaching your clients how to give the injections, if they're willing, not all clients are willing and they'd rather spend the money to just have you do it, which is fine. But just inform them that electrolytes should be checked like we kind of talked about. And that should be measured every three to four weeks after the first few injections, just to determine like how well it's working and to determine how long can they get away with their injections does it need to be every 25 days can you push it to every 28 Mm -hmm. see how long you can really get their money's worth so yeah because either way it's 
it is pretty expensive and the the bigger the dog the more expensive it is um so yeah pushing it out as as far as you can is is a lot easier and then they need to be very diligent as far as like you know depending on where it is is it 25 days is it 28 days and just mm-hmm. have it like on a calendar so they know exactly when they should be getting it because they don't <laughs> you don't want them skipping doses or missing yeah. it by a week or two because that really can set these pets off yeah and we've we've had clients say like just because the weekend like they pushed it to 28 days or something and their mm. dogs like on that 28th day their dogs will just act like punky they just yeah. aren't as thrifty as they were yeah. so just kind of even if it's a quote unquote tech appointment for someone to come in for a DOCP injection, just get a history and type it up in the record. So that way yeah. it's, it's, it's in there just saying dog did great for the 25 days. No concerns, no problems. We tried. And then maybe like the next month we pushed it to 27 days and on day 27, the dog ate, but wasn't as willing to eat kind of thing. So just mm-hmm. really making those notes and getting those histories, even if it is just a tech appointment. There's no such thing as just a tech appointment. It's still Dude, important. I was like, I was like, girl, <laughs> I'm going to fight you for just a tech appointment. I'm like, just a tech appointment. I know. Well, I think I, I, th- I put in like plans for my tech appointments and I make sure to write things up because I'm like, we can do this. There is no yeah. reason that we can't do soaps in our medical records. And there's so no reason why out we shouldn't. There and you're doing <laughs> tech appointments. It is your responsibility to make sure you have a complete medical record for that appointment. So mm-hmm. we I learned that for was a, a text. I believe that was a tech soapbox moment. Just saying. I couldn't tell. It's fine. You couldn't tell. <laughs> my soapbox moments. I'm like, girl. I, I saw the look. Like I felt the burn a little. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In case you guys haven't figured this out, we see each other for these phone calls, and every once in a while, an eyebrow goes up, and I'm like. Mm-hmm. And the head cock happens, and I'm like, excuse? <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. She gives me looks, too. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's fine. So, uh, oh, goodness. She's like, all right, guys. I know. Let's go to the cautions. Ready? Ready for the cautions. Ready for the cautions. Don't Caution call it just a tech appointment. <laughs> the caution. <laughs> Don't call it just a tech appointment. Exactly. Just kidding. But not. So again, Addison's disease is called the great pretender. It's called Mm -hmm. the great pretender for a reason. So really just kind of be diligent, keep it in the back of your mind for those breeds that you see, or for those young patients that you're just like, man, this is the fourth time we're seeing them for diarrhea, but their blood work looks normal. It's important to not just think young patients for this. Mm -hmm. We've had a couple of these sneaky older pets that come in and they're just, they're, they're having all the symptoms and you're like, Dude, they're, we've tested them. They're not Addisonian. They actually end up being Addisonian. And part of that is as things get older, right? Some things just stop working as well as they used to. <laughs> so just because it's a 14 year old dog does not mean all of a sudden they're not Addisonian. This is um, true. So I, I didn't think about it, but my doctor brought that up and I was like, oh, Okay. So yes, your classic Addisonian is going to be your younger pets, but sometimes we have older pets that their adrenal glands just say, I'm on vacation for the rest of your life. Peace. So, (laughs) So it is the great pretender, right? Like they, they think there's something else going on with that pet, but if you look at the blood work, you look at the symptoms and you test for it, all of a sudden you're like, huh, found it. 
Okay, yes. cool. Definitely. And the other caution, I guess this could also go under tip would be, but more of a caution. Just Yeah, I think it's a caution because if you don't do this, you may misdiagnose. This is true. Always <laughs> obtain your pre-blood samples before giving dexamethasone. Pretty please. Yeah. It's yeah. very helpful. So we, ha- so we have this patient that came in, right? We did the ACTH. Uh, it came back normal. And then mom was like, oh, yeah, he's a little bit more itchy. So he got his Depomedrol shot, you know, a couple, like two weeks ago. It was a little bit later than, and we went, what? What do you mean he got Depomedrol two weeks ago? Depomedrol <laughs> is a steroid. Sometimes, no matter how well we think we do about asking clients 50 different ways about any medications your pet is on, <laughs> sometimes they just don't tell you. <laughs> so anyways, we ended up um, with this one. We were like, well, Depomedrol is a steroid and it takes a while to wash out of your system. So your test is kind of void. <laughs> yeah. Because you gave steroids and it affects the test. So we actually had her, we, we, we retested I think we made her wait a couple of weeks and unfortunately her poor dog was like itching like crazy the whole time. And so finally we were able to get the ACTH done and there, I think he ended up being Addisonian, which was really, it was kind of funny. We're like, well, see, this is why we need your full medical history. Dang it. Which Um, thankfully, because then that poor lady would have paid for like two ACTH stems if they were both normal. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, we actually, I think we discounted the first one because we were like, well, we didn't catch that, but yeah, but yeah, we, um, it was interesting that that affected it. So, you know, just make sure, especially itchy patients, you know, if mm-hmm. they've got chronic use of steroids of some sort and topical steroids can actually potentially count for that too. So just mm-hmm. keep that and sometimes, in your mind. I've done the runaround sometimes where like, we will get like blood work over from the referring vet and it's all normal, mm-hmm. but it's just like the standard blood work. And then, um, but we're like, but it looks like it has, it, it's electrolytes are all out of whack. It's hyponatremic. And, um, mm-hmm. and then we'll find out that the RDVM gave a steroid injection because they were itchy or whatever reason yeah. why, and they didn't run a cortisol. But if you, if it's usually within a week, the labs, most of the labs hold on to the blood as long as people, like as long as the vet sent it out. So we'll call over there and see if they can add on like at least just a resting cortisol, obviously just a resting cortisol. We've, um, we've, actually, <laughs> we've done that before. Like if it's, you know, if we see that they just recently did. Labs. Yeah. The runaround is fun. Yeah. That's my favorite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the tip of the week. So for the tip of the week this week, stressful situations can cause crisis. So definitely be aware of that, especially even if it's a previously diagnosed Addisonian and it comes back in. Mm-hmm. Obtain detailed history. That's always going to be kind of yielded somewhere in our tip of the week is just thorough history. <laughs> it's yeah. important. And then even if it's an undiagnosed Addisonian, just detailed history. Find out if there was a stressful event that causes dog to collapse or, or something. And now for the question of the week. So this week's question of the week is a little bit different. Um, we are, so Jordan and I have been kind of talking about having some guests on the podcast because 
we want to talk to some pretty cool people, but we are wondering, you know, who is somebody that's a technician? We want, I kind of want to, I think we kind of want to stick with technicians for now. Doctors get their own thing, but technicians, there's so many cool technicians out there. You know, is there, is there someone particularly that you would like to see as a guest on our show? And then the second part of that question is if you could ask that person like one question, you know, what would it be? What kind of question question. would you like? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have to be internal medicine related. Just any, any question. It can be that related. Yeah, exactly. It can also be, what's your dog's name? Like that's fine. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) How many dogs do you have? Um, Yeah. So we, we want to know, you know, what kind of questions you might want to ask someone who, who is a a tech guest you might want on the podcast. Um, So definitely um, take a look at, you can do this one of two ways. The first way being going to internal medicine for vet techs.com slash podcast show notes and you can find episode number 12 which is going to be addison's and you can leave a comment there or if you want to head over to our facebook group you can definitely leave a comment there and and we'll put it put the question up for for that for the week um, and see who you guys might want on the podcast and some fun questions to ask that person so i think that wraps up our addison's episode right I think so. Uh, I can't specifically think of anything, but you know how it goes. As soon as we're done recording, I'm like, oh, I totally forgot to add this in. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, that never point, happens. I know. We'll probably, you know, it's, I doubt this is going to be the last time that we're ever going to talk about Addison's. So no way. Um, we'll probably bring up something else at some point. But yeah, I mean, I think for today, that is that is it. This episode is going live before New Year's. So between Christmas and New Year's, we picked this on purpose because it's a super stressful time. So hopefully you're not seeing too many Addisonian patients come into your clinics. And but if you are, now you got the tools. That's right. You can be like, hey, that looks a little funky. Let's try a cortisol. So yeah, uh, I hope everybody had a great Christmas last week. If you celebrate Christmas, you celebrate another holiday that falls in there. I hope it was good for you as well. So if you celebrate Hanukkah, happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas. And then this today, it's it's New Year's Eve, right? Which is so pretty cool. We can do the pun of we'll talk to you next year. But I'm bummed. Talk to you next year. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast. And make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettechs.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.